We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Some awesome kings and even themes of kingship. 
Um, maybe uh, you also would think of the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I absolutely love C.S. Lewis. And I think in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we actually see uh, a pretty good comparison of two kingdoms. Uh, so The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, this is the most famous of, of the Chronicles of Narnia written by C.S. Lewis. And in this we have the, the, the kingdom of, of Aslan, right? He is this, uh, this, this great lion who is, who is king of the whole wood. Um, but when we first introduce the land of Narnia, we see that it is in a state of perpetual uh, winter. It is always winter, but it is never Christmas. And indeed, that is a sad thing. And it is under the, 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 the tyrant rule of the white witch who claims to be queen of Narnia, that it is always winter. So we see uh, oppression under this kingdom, and, and we see those who are, uh, are outcasts. We see those who are, uh, are just turned to stone, right, being oppressed in that way. Um, and, uh, and in this first work of the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, there's this character, Aslan. He gets introduced, and the, the, the Pevensey children have no idea who he is. And there comes a time where, where Lewis is just building this up in the narrative. And, and they're talking about this great lion. They're talking about Aslan. And you're like, this is great. And then the, the, the children have to ask, well, who's Aslan? Right? Because they, they don't know. But then they begin to see what this kingdom is like. We begin to see restoration happen throughout Narnia, right? Because spring comes, uh, the, the, the snow begins to melt. The great river, which was frozen over, right, begins to run again, okay? And so we see in this kingdom of Aslan, the true king, we see restoration come, we see redemption of his people as he brings back and fulfills the prophecy of the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. We see the, the, the talking beast who Aslan created in the beginning come back together in, in redemption. And, uh, and ultimately we see a true reign of the, of the land of Narnia. Um, and so we could keep going. I would just encourage you to just read the book. Watch the movie, uh, I guess. Uh, but, but we see this, this picture of, of a kingdom. And I, I, we, we also are going to look at that this evening as we think about uh, this kingdom that is the Lord's. And um, as we think about this kingdom, I think verses 19, 20, and 21 help us to see God's restoration, God's redemption, and God's reign. So restoration, redemption, and reign. All this is, is grounded, is, is founded on this kingdom of the Lord. And so the, the main themes from Obadiah, we've actually seen this really in every message as we've walked through the book, are indeed God's kingship. Uh, Brother Doug introduced that to us when we started off this series. It was all about uh, the kingship. That is, it is God, it is the Lord who is in control of all things. We've also seen a major theme of, of Edom's Judgment. Uh, we saw that as, uh, as, as Pastor uh, Grant and, uh, and Rice preached that there's uh, judgment uh, described from what Edom did and judgment uh, prescribed from God onto Edom. And, uh, and, and, and last week in particular, right, we were, we were warned of the coming day of the Lord. There is judgment coming because He is the true King. We were warned... But we're also given hope. The coming day of the Lord comes both in life and in death. 
and, and salvation, but also judgment. So we saw the warning, but we also saw the message of hope. And so I want to continue to walk down that path that, that Bryce was faithfully leading us last week. As he was pointing to signs of a coming day of the Lord, I also want to, to point us to uh, this kingdom that shall be the Lord's. And so first we will look at verse 19 uh, and consider restoration. So again, we'll just read that verse those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. So that verse is pretty clear. We'll just go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, <laughs> not quite. Uh, let's do some quick geography, uh, and we'll kind of see where Obadiah was pointing us to. So, um, Mount Esau. Uh, this is, this is uh, representative of the land of Edom, the, right? Remember the, the descendants of Esau? We, we've already received that history. This is where the Edomites dwell, and this is southeast of the land. This is southeast of, of Israel. Uh, so then there's also the land of the Philistines, and this is actually southwest of the land. So they're closer to the coast, to the Mediterranean Sea, they're closer to the coast, Whereas Eden is over here uh, on, on the other side of the on the other side of the sea, and then you have uh, the the land of, of Ephraim and Samaria. These are to the to the north of Jerusalem, to the north of the land that Obadiah is in, and uh, north and northwest. Samaria is um, is the capital of Ephraim, and then the last one, Gilead, is northeast. So this is actually on the other side of the Jordan River. So I'm sure I've cleared lots of things up for you right now. Um, now, I probably lost some of you, but the, but the point is, uh, we have references to, to the southwest, to the southeast, to the northwest, and to the northeast. So in case I'm still losing some of you, that's all four corners of the land of God's people. Okay? So basically, this means everywhere. Uh, if it helps, maybe you can like picture uh, maps you might see in, in like a history book at school uh, during um, like world wars or, or conflicts or kingdoms uh, during the history of the world. And they would they would have these little boundaries shaded in throughout the map that would show where the different regions were. Uh, or maybe actually you see this in your Bible. You can probably flip to the back now if you wanted to and find a a, a map of the tribes of Israel, right? And they would have different colors shaded, uh, delineating where all the tribes were. Um, so that might help you think. Uh, verse 19 is kind of like that, uh, except this time the entire map is all shaded one color. Uh, so, so this is everywhere. God is bringing restoration to the whole land. He's bringing restoration from division and conquest that God's people went through. He's bringing restoration to the land. So this is Everywhere. That's what verse 19 points us to, restoration. And I want to quickly move to, to verse 20 and talk about redemption. We'll see that big picture all come together. So verse 20, we actually again see some geography. So let's, let's read that. Let's remind ourselves of, of where we are, literally, uh, and then we'll talk about that. Verse 20, the exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. And the exiles of Jerusalem, who are in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the Negev. So, again, we have some geography. We can ask ourselves, where are we talking about? 
So the land of the Canaanites, or, or, or Canaan, uh, this is actually the land where God showed the Old Testament Israelites to go following the exodus from Egypt. So this, this is actually the promised land. And in Zarephath in particular, uh, this is to the north. And then Negev is far to the south. So you have Zephyrah far to the north. You have Negev far to the south. And then the exile, like Zephyrah, is just far away. Uh, so God's people were dispersed, and they seemed to be everywhere but in the land. But what does Obadiah promise from the Lord in verse 20? That they shall possess this land again. God is redeeming his people. He is bringing them back to himself. He is, they, they, his people are being purchased and brought back together with him in his presence and in his promised land. So God is, God is working uh, and, and restoring the land and redeeming his people. He's, he's bringing all things back together. And again, all of this is going to culminate in his reign over his people. The problem is, what does this mean for us right now? I mean, I've heard that the land of the Philistines is wonderful this time of year. Uh, you, you should see the view from Mount Esau, right? Uh, no, that's... That's not exactly what we're talking about. We're not in the Middle East. We're talking about a greater land, a greater restoration, a final redemption. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. This, there, there will be a new dwelling place promised by God for his covenant people to come gathered together in his presence. Right? Obadiah is, is pointing us Forward to an ultimate reign of God, the kingdom shall be the Lord's as he restores and redeems his people. And that, friends, is glorious. There is a day coming where there will be a new heavens and a new earth, and we will be in the presence of God. We can actually see this in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 11, you're probably familiar with this chapter. This is, this is uh, uh, sometimes called the Hall of Faith. So this is where the author of Hebrews is actually mentioning several key figures in the Bible, and he's exhibiting and showcasing their faith. And, uh, and excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, um, right before that, uh, the, the author just mentioned uh, like, like Enoch and uh, Noah and, and Abraham and Sarah, right? He was, he was talking about those people, and then in verse 13 he says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking on that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Friends, let us long for a better country, the city of God. We, too, are strangers. We are, are, are aliens. We are exiles. This is not our home. 
We know that God will bring about a true restoration in the new heavens and new earth. And there, there will be no more death. There will be no more war. There will be no more famine. Tears will be wiped away. There will be no more sadness. And in that restored new land, God is redeeming his people there. God is not just restoring his creation. He is redeeming his people. He is bringing us back together with him. Just as he brought the Hebrews out of Egypt and into his presence on Mount Sinai, so, so too we are being brought out of this strange land and into his presence, but not to Sinai, to Zion. And again, we see the author of Hebrews explain this for us, this time in chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Right before this, the, the author of Hebrews, he's talking about how you have not come to, 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 to Mount Sinai. You have not come to that old covenant. But, in verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festival gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Friends, let us long for that place where the land is restored, where his people are redeemed. A good image of this, one of my favorite Christian singers and songwriters, he writes about this in the song called uh, The Far Country. And this is how he begins the song. Father Abraham, do you remember when you were called to a land and didn't know the way? Because we are wandering in a foreign land. We are children of the promise of the faith, and I long to find it. Can you feel it, too? That the sun that's shining is a shadow of the truth. Even the sun and its brilliance and its glory is but a shadow of the true reality of the glory of the true sun who will reign and shine over all of his people in a good land. Oh, friends, and this is how he ends the song. I was made to go there, out of this far country, to my home. To my home. Amen. Oh, friends, indeed that is glorious. And we should know that we are looking forward to this promised land. A shorter line from a song in, in the Gettys in Christ Alone, maybe you'll remember, till he returns or calls me home. Let us, let us sing that. Let, us, let that just be echoed in our lives. And I, I mean, I just think a, a wonderful example of that uh, is, is our, just, oh, the, our dear friend and brother, uh, Leo. Pastor Grant actually used the phrase that we probably have all used over the past few days, that he has gone home to be with the Lord. Right? Oh, and yes, we grieve. Uh, I had the pleasure of just hearing a few stories, just sitting at dinner earlier tonight, about Leo. And it was, it was great. And so we, we grieve. We know that it is sad. Oh, but we celebrate. We long to be where Leo is. Because he is home. And he is with his God. He indeed is sitting in the kingdom that shall be the Lord's. Amen. So friends, do not be discouraged. 
but have hope. Think about this, this current land, right? This is where we're living. We can't be aloof, but we, we, we can uh, have hope and, and not be burdened by discouragement. So perhaps it is, it is health issues. We've even prayed for some tonight. Cancer even. Do not be discouraged. Friends, have hope. There is a time where you, where, where, where God's will be redeemed, where restoration will happen, where sickness will be no more. With these health issues, right, we're not discouraged, but we look forward to an ultimate healing where we are with God and His people. Do not be discouraged. Have hope. Or maybe it's a, another time of oppression that is not, that is not physical or health, uh, but what you just think is your lot in life. Oh, friends, God is in control. Please be sure of that. But we also look forward to a time where we will sit in His kingdom. Financial burdens and troubles, we look forward to a time where we will be co-heirs with Christ. We will be in His kingdom. Do not be discouraged by that, but have hope. Maybe it is lost loved ones, as most of us are experiencing Tonight, in the French society, I've said, we, we, we're not discouraged by that, but we have hope because we know who God is and that He is a God who saves and that He is bringing His people back to Himself. And, and perhaps it's not a, a, a life changing event, but, but you just feel the mundane, mundanity, right? I don't know if that's a word, but I like to use it because it sounds like mundane and insanity. Okay, just the, the insanity of the mundane. I know that's like an oxymoron. But just day after day after day after day seems to be the same. Friends, don't be discouraged by that. You have hope. Because you, you, you're following a king. And you, you, you're walking in obedience by his grace. But you're not discouraged by just this, this tiredness or, or, or this sadness or even, even a sense of depression. Uh, that happens in this life now. Uh, because we have hope. There is a, a light at the end of the tunnel, as some might say. Right? Th th this, is, uh, this is not just going to be the end of the world and nothing else. Uh, the Bible teaches us that, uh, that this world does not end in a grave, but that there is a resurrection. Following after the firstborn of all creation, Christ our Lord, but we too we resurrected with him. So do not be discouraged, but have hope. Because there is because God is restoring all things and God is redeeming his people. And so then we come to verse 21. We've already covered the geography, so we don't have to ask where for this for this verse. Uh, but we will read this final verse as we begin to just, just look at how Obadiah is, is ending this prophecy and where he is pointing us to. Verse 21, Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. God's restoration and redemption happen because of who he is and what he has done. So we don't ask where in verse 21, but instead we ask how. How? 
How is this restoration happening? How is this redemption happening? Because the kingdom shall be the Lord's. It's because of who He is and what He has done. God gives restoration and redemption because He is the one true God, the King of the world. That coming day of the Lord is for all nations. Because He has come down to be the ultimate sacrifice for His people. And in that, He is making all things new. Including you, brothers and sisters. God is King. He is ruler and he is reigning in this kingdom. This reminds me uh, of Joshua. Perhaps you're familiar with the book of Joshua. This is, this is right after uh, uh, the, the time of Moses. Joshua uh, comes right after Moses. And so the people are going to enter, finally enter into this promised land. And their, their first roadblock is Jericho. And so in Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? I love this answer. Verse 14, And the man with his, his, his sword drawn, he says, No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. This is not about us, friends. We do not get to ask if God is on our side or someone else's. God is on his own side. It is our allegiance that must be questioned. Are you a citizen of God's kingdom or your own? Are you a resident of that glorious living city of God? Are you a resident of the city of man? Who are you worshiping? To whom do you pay homage? Regardless of your answers to those questions, the last line of Obadiah's of, of, of Obadiah remains the same. The kingdom shall be the Lord's. It doesn't matter how you answer, there is one truth, and that is that God is God. He is king. He is true. He is reigning. So, how are you going to answer that question? Are you a citizen of God's heavenly kingdom? Are you following after that king? Let's go back to Narnia. How do people know who was, who was following after Aslan? We can think of Peter, who later became the, the high king of Narnia. He had a lion on his shield. People know who he is. Right? They gathered together behind this great talking beast, Aslan, right? Who, who gives them power, who gives them strength, and who literally changes the world. And a common refrain, not just in the line of which in the wardrobe, but throughout all the chronicles of Narnia, is right that the, the, the Narnians, these great people who just long for Aslan, whether he's there with them or whether they know he's coming back, they always long for him. They say, for Narnia, for Aslan. This is a, a common cry. Uh, and, and it's, it's so wonderful. They, they, are, they are paying homage to their one true king, and people know it. 
People know how they are living. So are you a citizen of that kingdom? Are you a citizen of your own? You think you can be the, the king or the queen of your own kingdom? You think that you can make the rules? You think that you can do whatever you want with your time, with your energy, with your money? You think you can do whatever you want in your relationships? Friends, that's not true. God has called you to be one of His children. That means that your time is His. What do you read? I'll ask myself this question. What do you watch and how much do you watch it? I don't think Netflix is a part of God's kingdom. But the Bible is. And getting up early to read the Bible. Staying up late to read the Bible. We're all reading the Bible to your children, friends. Are you discipling your children? Do they know whose kingdom you're in? Are you preparing them to be stewards of that king? Who are you worshiping? Joshua fell down to the earth and worshiped. Who are you worshiping? And how long does it take you to do that? Do you have to deliberate? Do you have to think? Oh, let me think about this a second, God. Let me finish this first. I, I mean... Really like this relationship. It's not honoring to you. Let me just let me just see that out, and then I can turn back to worship you. I just really don't feel like caring for my wife right now, God. Okay, I'll I'll worship you later when I serve her. Friends, that's not how it works. God has called you as His people. He will ultimately redeem you finally, but he has continued to redeem you now. Whose kingdom are you in? Because the kingdom shall be the Lord's. We actually, again, see just the prominence of God in the historical context of Obadiah. Again, we've already seen this has been, this has been introduced to us. Remember, this is uh, Edom, who are the descendants of Esau, and then God's people, ultimately descendants of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, right? And, um, uh, and so those, those two brothers, uh, God reminds us, and Paul tells us in Romans chapter 9, that before they were born, he tells to Rebekah that the older will serve the younger. Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. We see that it is God who is in control. It is God who is sovereign. God was judging the acts of Edom, because he had not called them. God's restoration and redemption of his people is because he made them his people. Not because of who we are or what we have done. Perhaps a good reminder of this is as we think about the book of Obadiah, yes, indeed, Edom is being judged, and rightly so. But most likely, they're being judged, right, because they're, they're for Israel's enemies. At the same time, God's people are being judged for their disobedience and unfaithfulness. God is the king. The kingdom shall be the Lord's. Does he restore the land? Does he redeem his people? But whose is the kingdom? The kingdom shall be the Lord's. The kingdom is not Israel's. The kingdom is not Judah. The kingdom is not Edom's. Friends, the kingdom is not yours. The kingdom shall be the Lord's. So it's not all about you. But as we look forward from Obadiah, 
When is God's kingdom inaugurated? When is this ushered in? When Jesus, the promised king of David's line, comes in life, death, and resurrection. Oh, it's not all about you. Oh, my friends, God does care for you. God sent his son for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sin. It's not all about you, but praise God that he continues to work in his creation and through his creation. Because just as the kingdom is the Lord's, we know there is a Savior. There is one true Savior on Mount Zion. He is ruling and reigning, redeeming his people, restoring all things, and that one true Savior is King Jesus. So yes, this means that you do not have to be discouraged because we have hope for a future and final redemption, but this also means that you must live with Christ as your King now. He is ruling and reigning. And if Christ is your King, I don't just mean that you get to make that decision alone in your head. I mean that you profess that. You cry out for Jesus, for his kingdom. The church knows it. Your friends know it. People who aren't your friends know it. <laughs> Live as Christ is your king now. So, I am coming to a close. I have one final exhortation that I want to give to my brothers and sisters in Christ. We are servants of the true king. And I just want to look at verse 21 one more time. Notice in verse 21, it says, Saviors, it's plural, shall go up to Mount Zion. So we know that there's one ultimate savior or deliverer. But Obadiah seems to refer to, to, to multiple. Uh, and maybe the best way to think about this is actually we can think about the book of Judges. Uh, and so it's the same time right, that God raises up saviors or deliverers for his people, and they, they bring about uh, uh, um, victory, right? And militarily, politically, God raises up these judges to rule and to lead and protect his people. And we have a king, uh, but in his name we are more than conquerors. We are co-heirs with Christ through his suffering and into his glory, which means we can act as deliverers. And indeed, we can act as saviors, agents of redemption. I'm reminded, Paul, Paul says this in, in 2 Corinthians 5, right? Remember, he, he talks about uh, how, how uh, all, all of this, this salvation is from God, and starting in verse 18, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and then what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. So, friends, too, we are, have been restored and looking forward to restoration. We've been redeemed. We look forward to redemption. And so, too, we act as agents of that restoration and agents of that redemption. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are his stewards. And this happens through proclaiming the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We also will ascend to Zion with our King, proclaiming his message. That this big, awesome God who created everything, we've seen a lot of that, cares for his people, works in his creation. Ultimately through a promised one that came from the very beginning, God himself 
came to be born humbly as a little baby, to grow into a man so that he may live, that he may die, that he may be resurrected. Friends, and he did that for his people. And we proclaim that gospel message. We are following after a king. We are shouting his praises and we are telling of what he has done. So friends, walk as Christ is your king and be like him. Offer restoration and redemption. Because the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are king you are God over all, that you are in charge, that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you are good, that you have created all things. Father, we thank you for what you have done in your creation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the gospel message that through the power of your spirit we may be saved, we may be in your kingdom. And uh, Father, we pray that we would walk as citizens of that kingdom. We pray, Father, that uh, that those who are not in the kingdom would know it. They would hear the message. Uh, and Father, that uh, we would be able to welcome them in. They would join us in this march as we ascend with our king to Mount Zion, this, this glorious city of God. We pray all of this in the saving name and in the ruling name of